Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for information and inspiration on the conscious parenting journey. The conversations you'll hear on this show are all intended to offer you tools for moving forward, expanding your lens, and shifting your narrative to one of possibility, connection, and empowerment. When we bring deep listening, acceptance, and courage to our relationships, we are doing our part to evoke it in the world. I am thrilled to partner with you on this path. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited for my guest today. Kelly Boss is back. You will remember her from episode 32, where we talked about navigating two different parenting styles. Kelly is a clinical therapist focusing on individual marriage and family relationships. She helps people find meaning and joy in those relationships, both with themselves and with others. She's a well-known relationship expert and has appeared in a professional capacity in countless media markets as a guest and a writer. I'm super excited to have Kelly back on the show to talk about how we influence our children's inner voice. Hi, Kelly. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad that you're here. Please remind the listeners about who you are and what you do in the world. Okay. I'm a therapist. I hail from Canada, although I think last time we talked, I was living in the Caribbean at the time. Mm -hmm. So our families moved back to be closer to family. And I do individual couple family work. I do a fair bit of online counseling these days, just because a lot of my clients are all over the world now after moving. And I write and do uh, media appearances. So that's a little bit about me. Yeah. And today I'm really excited. Speaking of writing today, I want to dig into an article that you wrote that you wrote back in November that really hit home for me. Yeah, it was one that I shared Mm. um, in my community. And the title of it was, I don't want to write the script for my child's inner critic. And I have to just say that the title alone, it's probably already become a meme, but the title alone is just, (laughs) is enough, right? Tell me a little bit. Is it a meme? That's awesome. (laughs) Well, I don't know if it is yet, but it should be. Maybe I'll make it into one. We'll meme it. Yeah. (laughs) I'll meme it. Tell me a little bit about your inspiration for writing this article. So it was uh, certainly my relationship with my daughter. She's nine. My son, too. But this was a bit more of a song to my daughter, so to speak. I've been studying and doing a lot with self-compassion lately in my work and also personally. And so I'd had this this knowledge that, you know, often our critical voices, you know, certainly as a therapist, often our critical voices come from earlier experiences and, and early influences, right? So it could be a parent, could be a teacher, a coach, something like that. And we take some of these negative perceptions or presentations or criticisms and we take it inside eternally. And sometimes it comes out at, against ourselves when we are having a hard time or feeling down or feeling bad about ourselves. And I thought, oh gosh, um, this is probably, you know, I've got a good chance of being the person that provides that script for my daughter. And so this article I've been thinking about for some time and passionately, it's so badly that it was hard for me to even write the article. I just wanted to to do it well. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I wanted to present it in a way that people could digest and understand and work with. And so it took me a while to write it because I just wanted to, to 
do it correctly. I, I felt like the title's a little long, but I had a hard time of even shortening it. So if it becomes a meme, then it's all good. <laughs> well, yeah. And so tell me a little bit, like how does self-compassion? So there's, and I love that we're talking about this because this shows up a lot in my community and in with the members mm-hmm. that are a part of my membership program, that, that conditioning that some of which, mm-hmm. you know, we, yay, we get, there's so many gifts that we get from our parents and our life experience. And then there's also like, ah, there's so many gifts that we get from our parents and our life experience. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's really challenging yeah. because I think a lot of time that self-talk, that inner critic sounds like truth. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So a lot of work done by Dr. Kristen Neff around self-compassion. She's mm-hmm. not someone who came up with it, but certainly someone that's, you know, calls herself a self-compassion evangelist. I actually heard her talk in, I think it was October, and it was just wonderful to hear her and do some of these self-compassion exercises with her. But basically, there's three tenets around the idea. One is to show self-kindness versus self-judgment. The second idea is to believe in sort of the common humanity in our issues and not over or just sort of isolate ourselves in them. And then the last idea is mindfulness versus over identification. So those are the three ideas. Yeah. Go back to the common humanity yes. one. Yeah, absolutely. So common humanity looks at the idea that everyone has issues to deal with. Everyone suffers at one point or another. We can sometimes isolate ourselves feeling like we're the only one. We're Mm. the only one that screwed up like this. You know, I'm the only one that can't get my relationship with my son correct. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone else is, you know, doing so well in life. And, and I think that those are assumptions often, uh, maybe social media doesn't help with everyone Mm -hmm. putting sort of their best face forward sometimes. But yeah, so I think that that can be it's a really helpful piece. It's not in that sort of shame yourself because you should be so happy you have clothes on your back and a bed to sleep in. And those are certainly things we should be grateful for. But it's the idea that other people are in the same place and we don't have to isolate ourselves. Yes, yes. I just recently had a conversation, you know, I think about the teen brain, right? And because I live with one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And recently, (laughs) like in in an effort to encourage and inspire mentioned, like, I know how you're feeling, which is everyone don't say that to a teenager. Um, Because the response was, how do you know? that you know Mm -hmm. how I feel. Mm -hmm. And I did in that Mm -hmm. moment, I got to say like, well, because everybody experiences heartbreak. Like it's not, you know, every single person on the planet experiences heartbreak. And while some of the details and the flavors might be slightly different, it's a common experience. I don't think she bought it, but I'll keep saying it. But yeah, I can now back you with that idea. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to be like, listen, it's science. Listen to this podcast. Yeah, that's right. It's on my podcast. Yeah. And then the mindfulness tenant versus Mm -hmm. um, what did you call it? Over identification. Over identification. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So that's the idea of um, being in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. So mindfulness when you're you know, there's a lot of work on that from certainly, you know, folks like John Kabat-Zinn, you know, practicing mindfulness, but this is also sort of the mindset, right. And being in the moment and over-identification problem, that's where you are the problem, right? (laughs) You know, it's, you, you get confused between what feels like and what is. And so the reality is in this moment, everything's okay. 
yes, you missed that meeting. You're not a complete failure. You, you're not now the failure who missed the meeting. You're someone that now has to problem solve about the meeting you missed, right? Yeah. And so in this moment, I do have to figure it out. But often the moment isn't even the problem, right? The moment is fine. You know, the meeting's already passed or, you know, we've already sent the email to try and rebook. So this moment's okay. Short of the house is on fire and we have to act in this moment. The things we often worry about and get stressed about are the things of the past and the future, right? Right. So mindfulness takes you back to this moment. It's okay that, you know, I haven't been fired yet or that person hasn't come down on me like a ton of bricks yet or everyone's not talking about me. They don't even know that I missed the meeting yet, you know, this kind of thing. So I think it's kind of taking it back to sort of what you have power over, what you can do. And a lot of this stuff is past or future and you not, not much control, not much action can be taken than what you've probably already done. Right. So that's that mindfulness piece. Yeah. I have a friend who does a training called grace for women. I mentioned her often on the podcast, but she talks about if we're, her name is Krista Petty Raymer. And she talks about how, if we're going to make meaning, we might as well make meaning that works and forwards us. <laughs> right. And so right, that, that right? kind of comes yeah. up for me when I hear you say, you know, being in the present moment, everything's okay right now, you know, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. I can sit and worry about the future. I mean, I, I'm a parent of a teenager, so it's really easy to find things to stress about and right. none of it is true. Right. Exactly. If anything, I mean, the thing is, we're not necessarily as good at future predicting as we think we are, right? Right. So we'll worry and we'll get 10 scenarios and 10 things we're going to say if, you know, she blah, 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 or this happens. And then it doesn't even turn out that way. And then we spent all that time worrying and trying to scheme about a situation that never came to fruition. It probably came to fruition some other way we didn't expect and we're unprepared for and said the wrong thing for us. Yeah. We can't necessarily, you know. Yeah. And the same thing happens when our kids are really young. Like I'm thinking about my clients who who are, I call it in the weeds with the kids under five. And, you know, right. I'm pretty sure our podcast is gonna be interrupted by mine at some point. So yeah, (laughs) great. It's real life people. Um, but you know, that whole idea, like I have to get them to stop hitting or my toddler bites at daycare Mm -hmm. or are they ever going to learn, you know, even in our head when we know, okay, social emotional skills are developed over time, right? Even as we know that in our head, it's so easy to get trapped. Like you said, in that over identification and get really stuck in that fear and stress and worry about, is my kid going to be the one, you know? Yeah, exactly. Who does X, Y, Z. The juvenile delinquent in the teenage years when nothing's happened, you just bit a cohort and take care, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's as far as it went. Yeah. Mm Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season, and this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener 
go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Hey, everybody. Listen, I'm so excited to give you an update on Songfinch. Songfinch delivers. I shared last month that I was going to have them create an original song for Ian, my graduating senior. Well, the song is done and the process of co-creating it with the artist on Songfinch was so cool. I got to provide details and ideas and then the musician of my choice wrote up the lyrics put it to the music that I picked, and the results are so cool. I can't wait to surprise Ian with it. I will be sure to record it and share it with all of you. Songfinch is an innovative service that lets you create an original radio quality song inspired by your own life and the people you love. It's completely unique, personal, and it lasts forever. After moving through their process, you get the final results in four to seven days. For a limited time, Songfinch is letting our listeners upload their song to Spotify for free. So you and the lucky person you gift it to can listen to it anywhere, anytime. Whether your song is for Father's Day, an upcoming graduation, wedding, or anniversary, or even just a gift to show your loved one how much you care. Start your song now to lock in one of Songfinch's top artists. Go to songfinch.com slash joyful and start your song. After you purchase, you'll be prompted to add Spotify streaming for your original song for free, which is a $50 value. Again, my URL is songfinch.com slash joyful. Don't forget to share your song with us too. songfinch.com slash joyful. And you can't, well, this is a whole nother podcast, but I just, what just came to mind was nothing circumvents brain development. So teenage years will be challenging people, regardless if you're, (laughs) regardless of what's happening when they're three or eight, you know, it's, it's all a part of, of development, but I really appreciate how, when we start to recognize, so, and let's go back to that. So recognizing that we're over-identifying, because I think we all do it. I mean, I know that I do it. Oh, for sure. We all do it. Yeah. So what mm-hmm. kind of practices Absolutely. do you have or do you support parents with or couples with? Because I'm sure it's the same thing. I mean, it doesn't have to just be the parent-child relationship. All of us get stuck in this emotional whirlwind. How do we get out? Right. What are some thoughts that you have on that? So you have to definitely recognize what's going on for you. You know, what is actually the thinking? You know, sometimes we think we're very angry, but we're sad or afraid. So let, let's look at that and look at our reactions and then be really kind to ourselves about them. We're not always going to have the perfect reactions and we can certainly apologize when we haven't kept our cool or done the right thing. There's, there's, you know, ways to model other things, which is, you know, resolution or Mm -hmm. forgiveness. There's lots of great stuff there too. So don't worry when things don't go as you'd planned, but when, when you are able to catch it, can you just sit with yourself and say, this is hard. This is so hard. My toddler has absolutely destroyed the kitchen that I just spent two hours cleaning up, which I had no time for because I actually had some work demands and shouldn't have been cleaning my kitchen, Mm -hmm. but this has happened. So I'm going to sit and just hold myself. This is a a lot of the self-compassion practices, just 
you know, giving yourself a compassionate um, stance. Maybe it's putting your arm around yourself and putting your hand on your heart or holding your own hands or just being there to comfort yourself and saying, this is hard. This is hard because we'll probably all say, yes, we suffer, but how often do we actually stop and recognize our suffering in a kind way? How often are we there for ourselves? Yeah. I'm visualizing like, as you're talking, I'm actually putting my hand Mm -hmm. on my heart and hearing the words, hearing the words, I am suffering right now. Exactly. And I actually ended my article with um, this experience I had because I was outside raking and I was having feelings that probably I try not to deem because I'm trying to work on this self-compassion piece, but things I'd say generally were like ugly feelings, like maybe it's resentment or, you know, jealousy, any of those kind of ugly feelings that I was having some of those come up on a situation. And I just held myself. So this is hard. And I didn't judge myself, right? I didn't have that extra measure of condemnation on top of it to then deal with. Cause how does that feel? Right. Mm-hmm. Do you feel good when you've beaten yourself up? Do you feel really proud of yourself when you've done something like that? Um, do you feel like you've heard yourself out? Would you ever do that to a friend? I mean, that's the big question always right. in self-compassion is what would you say to a friend? Would you talk to a friend this way? And so, you know, I just stood there and I held myself for a second and my daughter was outside with me and she'd noticed where I actually made her notice because I thought this is a good teaching moment. I said, you know, I'm, I want to teach you about self-compassion because right now mommy's having a hard time. Mm-hmm. I think I was actually grieving something a little bit. I can't really remember the total topic, but, you know, maybe a missed opportunity or something. And, and I said, mommy's having a hard time, but I, I'm showing you, I want to show you how I can be there for myself. And she's like, you're crying. I'm going to go get dad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 I, I don't. This is the point of it, honey. I don't need you to get dad. I'm Okay. I just want to show you that this is how you can be there for yourself when you don't feel understood, when you um, don't have anyone to talk to, when you actually, regardless, even if you had someone to talk to, this is a great practice, just being able to be there for yourself and hold yourself in that moment. Mm, that's so lovely. And how did she respond to that? I think, yeah, she, she heard me. I mean, often, you know, these great little um, counseling tidbits. She's not overly keen. I want my friends to tell her. Cause then maybe she'd be like, Oh, okay. That sounds great. But you know, she is my daughter, but um, oh, she doesn't, she she doesn't tell it. you like on a daily basis. I'm so glad that my mom is a therapist. Cause I hear that all the time. I'm so glad my mom's a life coach. I know. No, I don't have that. I wish Just I did. Kidding. Um, yeah. So she, she, she did hear me though on this one and maybe yeah. because I was a bit tearful and yeah. she's, you know, empathetic to that. But, um, I'm just trying to explain, like, isn't this such a great lesson? Like we should all have this so much earlier in life. Yeah. Think about the heartache and the maybe approval seeking or the wanting to fit in or the stuff that might circumvent just by being able to be there for yourself and giving yourself that strength, you know? And also to that whole loving touch. I mean, that's like cuddling. That's like oxytocin, like all that mammalian stuff is released by just you holding yourself. Imagine that you can give yourself a hug. Yeah. I love that. And you know, you also wrote in the article, I'm just going to read straight from it. Um, because I heard you say you were in your experience without judging it. So something that you wrote that really landed for me was, uh, for some reason we're drawn to the self-flagellation. We have beliefs that if we aren't hard on ourselves or self-critical, we won't make changes and will become lazy or stuck. This outlook does have the occasional result, which spurs us on. It could be the same in parenting. You could chastise until a desire 
a desired end is reached. You could criticize so much that a child could toe the line, but what else would be produced? What might that child feel regarding their self-concept? What might their relationships be like? The same is true for us. Does a good brow beating make us feel better, more able to face the challenges ahead of us? Usually not. We often shame ourselves into inertia. Would we ever, like you said already, would we ever say those words to a friend? There is a better way we can be kind to ourselves and get better results. And I definitely want that self-talk for my kids. So what really was powerful for me in that passage is... You know, because so often in the work that we do, you know, we kind of both fall under the positive parenting umbrella and there's always that counter argument of, and I was just looking at something online. It was like an ad for a a class or a course for parents of teens and tweens. And I couldn't believe the comments like, well, you just have to raise them right. And then they won't you know, misbehave or you just got to show them Mm -hmm. who's boss Mm -hmm. or, you know, and so when it says, when you wrote, you could criticize so much that a child could toe the line, but else, what else would be produced? What might that child feel like regarding their self-concept that just, you know, right now it's in my own personal practice, like there's, there are things that I definitely want to land Right. There is encouragement and prodding. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally, I want to be prodding her. (laughs) I would wouldn't Mm -hmm. mind like a pitchfork if it was helpful. But, you know, I am also really well aware of, you know, that whole being in the moment thing, because my daughter is a freshman in high school and there's this like overarching pressure of the college application. And I don't know if, I don't think that I'm creating it, but it's definitely a part of my family of origin is this, you know, you got to be on it from day one. If you want, you know, she needs this and it needs to look like this. And it's the same pressure that I got when I was in high school, but I was a different kid, you know, and I was a super joiner and she's not much of a joiner and she's just kind of good with, you know, just kind of hanging back and figuring it out and going through the transition of even being in high school and, It's just so interesting where I notice inside of myself, like wanting to say something that's going to motivate her into action. But at the end of the day, I want her to feel connected and I want her to be a, you know, I want her to connect to things that that fill her versus like have a great college application. I mean, a both and there would be great, but if it's simply like, Hey, we got to fill out your application. It just feels so empty. And then, and then it feels like I'm letting go of pieces of our relationship. And actually, sorry, I'm totally talking right now, but recently the comment was made (laughs) by someone that I love and I respect, but she said, sometimes you got to be firm instead of being the best friend. And I was like, I am, my goal is never to be the best friend nor is it to coerce or strong arm my children into things that I don't, I see more value in them coming to their own conclusion about. What do you think? Absolutely. Thank you. (laughs) No, I was thinking quite a bit while you're talking, because I think the whole thing (laughs) is validation. I think, I think, you know, I'm in a a totally different age group, but Mm -hmm you know, this is, this is a daily struggle for me too. Like I would love to just say that I resort to the self-compassion piece, but it's hard. I mean, you sometimes want things for themselves, for them that are maybe not something they want for themselves only because 
it's so unlike you to not want it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you, your kids are so different than you, you think they're going to be a bit more like you and they can be quite different, but also they're going to react differently or be encouraged differently. Yeah. And this is a whole process. I mean, we're, we're at nine right now. And I just feel like there's a little bit of pushback, right? As she figures out who she is and what she wants, but pushback doesn't work great when you're running late for the bus. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'd love to say I took a more self-compassionate stance than me starting to lose the plot because we're <laughs> running late again. So it's a constant journey, but it's one I know I want to be on. So I just keep starting again. And if I can be compassionate to myself, then I've got something to give outside as well. Yeah. When I'm beating myself up and being hard on myself, then I'm going to have little to draw on for the next day we're running late and disorganized or, you know, there's any kind of pushback. But if I can fill myself up, this is the problem. I think a lot of us run on empty, right? Mm-hmm. We aren't taking care of ourselves. We're not being kind to ourselves. We're, we are judging ourselves. We are isolating ourselves of the problem. We are over-identifying with things that we deem as failures or shortcomings. And so when it comes to these difficult times, we don't have a lot to draw on. But when you're showing yourself self-compassion, then you've got, it's just a, you know, automatic to give more compassion out there as well. And we're often, we want to give the compassion without the self-compassion. I think that's where we lose it a bit. I mean, you know, we're happy to tell a friend how well they're doing and we're not Mm. happy to do it to ourselves. And I think, again, we get depleted. Yeah. Well, and I think that like the parenting journey. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I was just thinking with your, as your daughter's doing something different and you want to be there and you want to be supportive and you want to be encouraging, but you also want to help her meet goals. Mm-hmm. It can be, it can be challenging, of course, but I think if you are saying, okay, like, you know, the intentions are good and we love each other, mm-hmm. um, we need, we need to find the dialogue, but if she can see me modeling the self-compassion piece, you know, and then, you know, maybe you can feel more confident in her decisions, what she's making, if she's also able to use that and be there for herself and make decisions from a strong place. Yeah. And I just makes me think about how the parenting journey is like the potholes of self doubt are just everywhere. (laughs) Yes. I mean, at Mm -hmm. least in my experience, you know, even when it's like, well, you know, especially when, you know, when you're, foundation is really long-term parenting and, and relational parenting. Mm-hmm. I think that there aren't immediate, it's not immediate gratification. It's not immediate results. Like you really have to trust the process and, you know, as they get older or even when they're young, because I'm thinking about, you know, even when they're young and my good friend, Julieta Skoog that comes on to talk with me about toddlers and preschoolers, she talks about how those years, the kids are just relentless <laughs> that's the word that she uses. Yeah. yeah and it's, yeah. and it's repetition, repetition, yes, yes. repetition with the learning and the lessons and the modeling. And, and we really mm-hmm. have to trust mm-hmm. that one day they'll get it. Yeah. And I, and I think that it's probably now that I'm at the part of my journey that I'm at and that like, I've never felt a sense of urgency until recently. And I've never felt, you know, like, Oh, it's going so fast. I'm always thinking, you know what? It's going at the perfect speed. But this year, you know, these last couple months, I've realized like, wow, you know, we're like, we are on the downhill right now. And it, it is feeling fast and there is a sense of urgency. And that's just another thing to be aware of. Right. Because 
when it starts again, that mindful piece, like right now she's at home right now they're here. They're under our roof. They're learning their love. They're, you know, all the things and you know, yes, one day they'll be out of our house and they'll be on their own and making choices. And I get to trust and I get to breathe mm-hmm. but then you'll have the the resources and the wisdom and the experience yeah. to do with that day when that day comes for sure you don't need that day yet right right and it turns out my yeah. all of my friends whose kids have gone off left the nest they're like oh it's not over <laughs> like don't tell me that <laughs> no exactly exactly <laughs> Hey listeners, I'm just popping in here to let you know about a free program for parents that starts April 1st, the Joyful Courage 10. It's 10 days of intentional visioning, 10 days of mindful mindset shifting, and 10 days of strategic tools for the conscious parenting journey. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. What if I told you that it is possible to be the parent the person you want to be for your children, your partner, and yourself? What if I told you that you could show up and be present with encouragement and intention? It is possible. You can. And I am here to show you how it comes down to three things, your intention, your mindset, and your 
practice. Truth be told, the to-do list and the daily challenges will be there, but by shifting your mindset, you can change the way you interact with them and hold space for more connection and fun in your relationships. What you can expect over the 10 days is opportunities for participation in a closed Facebook group, daily encouraging email messages, and daily Facebook lives from me that will include meditations, Q&As, and inspiration for you, all inside of our own special little group. If you are into it, if you are ready to check this out and go deeper into the Joyful Courage work, if you're stoked that it's free, head on over to www.joyfulcourage.com slash JC10, www.joyfulcourage.com slash JC10. I'm super excited to get to know you all better. Let your friends in on it. This kind of work is ever more powerful when we have support of our community. Yay, check it out, check it out. So another thing that you write, and again, like the title of the article, I don't want to write the script for my child's inner critic. So what I'm hearing you say, Kelly, is just, and even in your story about raking the leaves and talking to your daughter, is it's really in the modeling and the language that we use with our own kids where they're developing their self-talk. And and there, and if we're if we're modeling that critic, that harping on them, it becomes their inner dialogue. Right. Exactly. So we want to to model how to be kind to ourselves. I mean, that I don't remember ever seeing that. I, I I'm sure I saw I don't know. I mean, it's it's a tricky one to even imagine modeling. So I had to do it in the way I did it, which was to explain the whole process mm-hmm. instead of walking around saying, This is hard for me. I'm really there for myself, you know. <laughs> but I could show her what it what it would look like in action, right? And yeah. you know. And give her a glimpse of what I was trying to do. And I can tell her about the concepts, right? And in an age appropriate way, or I can tell, you know, my son as well, you know, being able to say, okay, buddy, you know, accidents happen. So that's okay. We can, we can try again next time. And of Mm -hmm. course we all do say that, but we can also use a language and you also have to be nice to yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. and you can, you can understand that mistakes happen and you don't need to keep talking about that, um, that you spilt that, you know, that's okay. You know, whatever it is like using it in a way to, take them on the journey with you, I guess, more than being able to really show it because a lot of it is sort of internal, maybe even personal, but yeah, we use family meetings and a lot of my clients do as well, or even family dinners as a place where we can prompt our family. Mm-hmm. Like what was something that happened this week where you started to feel kind of down on yourself, but then you were able to encourage your way out of it or something, you know, as far as yeah, like tools great. to take away. Yeah. Just make it a part of the common language. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what we do. This is the human experience. Yes. Another quote that you have, this brings me to my fear. If I want to be the narrator and the script writer for my children, then as this key influencer, I want to be aware of what and how I'm saying things. Yes, yes, yes. And I wonder, can we also overthink this too? So we want them to have an encouraging script, mm-hmm. right? One that keeps them going through hard times. And as I read that, and even as you were talking earlier in the in the conversation, when you said what it feels like versus what it is, when we were talking about over-identification, it made me think about the importance of separating, you know, when we're in the parenting moment, the importance of separating the child from the behavior that we don't 
necessarily want right. to be seeing or whatever. Right. That's yeah, that's a great example of that, right? You know, being able to positively parent around something like, you know, them forgetting to bring home, I don't know, their teacher, the note you need to sign for the teacher several days in a row. You know, you could jump on lazy, forgetful, you could sort of name call or categorize them. Mm-hmm. Or you can look at like the behavior. And again, could you browbeat it into getting home? Sure. And probably it's happened, but, you know, a, a more positive stance might be, you know, how can I help you remember? You know, how can we figure yeah. this out together? Helping to be part of the solution instead of getting to a point where they might over identify and then become, I'm just lazy. I'm just forgetful. Right. <laughs> That's just who I am. And sort of take that on as part of them or that self-talk, right? I'm so stupid. I'm always forgetful, which really isn't going to be part of the solution for them, is it? No, it's not. It's not. And it's not helpful. I think that's the interesting thing for me when (laughs) things come up and that gut reaction of what, what should I threaten them with so that they do what they're supposed to do, Mm -hmm. assuming that they have whatever the skills are to help themselves do better which is not always the case. So looking for solutions and being a, you know, being an ally Mm -hmm. for them is so much more powerful. Plus we're developing that problem solving mindset that everything's and everything's figure outable. Exactly. I think too, I'd be remiss if I didn't say something about anxiety in this, Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of sometimes this um, wanting to fix it in the quickest way possible can come from, from sort of an anxious or fearful place. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so we want to jump on it or nip in the butt or say something that just gets them thinking. And sometimes that can be sharp, maybe even nasty or, you know, labeling. And I think that comes from not necessarily anger as it comes out, but more our anxiety as parents. I just feel like so many parents are walking around with so much anxiety around the parenting process, along with many other things in their life. Mm. And so being able to look at that, like, what is my, you know, I'm actually, I'm fearful. I'm not angry. I'm afraid that they're not going to learn this. So that's on me mm. yeah. to work through that. But also I can look at how I can help them with that because my fear is they're never going to learn this. They're always going to do this. I'm worried about way down the road, which we talked about earlier. Oh yeah. Dead and so in if a I ditch. Can scale that back a bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, because they didn't, they're not, being responsible about texting as soon as they get to their friend's house. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then we are, we give them the rage of, I found you in a ditch, you know, right. right. But it's, it really is that it's not about that where we've run off on something. So I just wanted to comment too, about that, that being able to look at our own emotions, mental health, whatever we're dealing with, seeing if we can get that under control, it's going to help us and self-compassion can help with that as well. Being able to be again, more present and more solution focused. Love it. And so tell me more, tell me about how self-care plays in here. Oh, self-care, right? Right. Well, oh, that's that empty emptiness. You know, where we're trying to fill the other, that the analogy is pretty famous of the oxygen mask and how you have to put yours on first. And I think that is, I think we are depleted. I think self-care is so important in this. Like, what are we doing for ourselves? Sleep. Let's get to sleep. Sleep's really important. Um, exercise, eating right. These are all things that play heavily into our mental health. Are we doing anything that makes us feel good? Like volunteering, giving, are we focusing on the good, the gratitude? There's so many places we can go with self-care, but it's really about taking care of ourselves and making ourselves the healthiest we can be. And some of the basics are really key in that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, taking deep breaths can be really key. Going to yoga, um, 
making you have time, make sure you have time with your girlfriends to talk and chat and have fun. So there's lots of things you can do. I always suggest to my clients, and I'm sure you do too, um, is just to make a list so that when you're feeling a bit blah or not like you're taking care of yourself very well, that you can go to this list and think of things that you like to do. Yeah. Um, a walk can be great to clear your head. They, they don't have to be complicated. Like I feel so much better when I'm on a cruise. Well, yeah. naturally, but <laughs> yeah, you might have a hard time pulling that one out of the hat. So it could you walk around the block? Could you, you know, buy yourself flowers today? It doesn't have to be even monetary. It could be, you know, something very simple as reading a book you enjoy. So making sure that you're feeding into yourself. Um, I know that how you're doing in life can kind of be reflective on a couple of things. For me, it's often like the state of my car or inside my purse, but <laughs> the other one is how much self-care I have. And if they're all disastrous and probably things are kind of disastrous everywhere else too. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate what you're saying. And I know that there's probably going to be at least one person listening who feels like I don't, I don't have any space for self-care. And I just want to speak directly yeah, to that listener right now and say, you do, there is room, there is space. You can get creative. It doesn't need to be you alone. There's all sorts of ways that you can do small things for yourself. Yeah. And it is so yeah. important. Your children need you to take care of yourself. So please. And if you are thinking, I just, I don't even know where to start or you're feeling overwhelmed you know, I'll have Kelly's information in the show notes, my information in the show notes. There are places to go where mm -hmm, you can just mm -hmm. simply say, help me. And, and mothers will come to your assistance with ideas and thoughts and encouragement because it is so key. That's it's right. so important. So key. Yeah. Well, in the context of everything that we've talked about today, self-compassion and mindfulness and, and that inner inner self-talk. What does joyful courage mean to you, Kelly? Yeah, I think this, this uh, question is such a great one and it changes often a little bit on what we're talking mm -hmm. about, but I wanted to bring it back to sort of a self-compassion idea. So joyful courage, when we talk about it today, um, I'm thinking it, it really means being able to be loving to myself you know, even when I don't feel very lovable, mm. <laughs> be loving to myself and find that sense of happiness and peace and joy, right? <laughs> so being able to push on through things, still hold myself and know that I'm going to get through this. Mm. There's going to be, I can do something different tomorrow, or I can continue to do it this way, whatever it is, whatever the message needs to be that you courageously give yourself that message and you push forward and you're loving and kind and not self-judgment or not judgmental yourself and finding that you're a part of many, many people struggling today and you're not the problem. You're just, you're okay in this moment. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Where can listeners find you and follow your work? Well, please come over to www.kellyboss.com. That's one S or you can find me on Facebook, a bit of a mouthful, but it's that backslash Kelly Flanagan, F-L-A-N-N-I-G-A-N boss, B-O-S therapy on Facebook. Great. And listeners, I will have links for both of those in the show notes. Thank you so much great. again for being a part yeah. of the show. It's so great to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. 
Joyful Courage community, you're amazing. Big thanks and love to my team, including my producer, Chris Mann at Podshaper. Be sure to join in the discussion over at the Live and Love with Joyful Courage group page, as well as the Joyful Courage business page on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts or really anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. You can view the current Joyful Courage swag over at the webpage, intention cards, bracelets, e-course offers, the membership program, one-on-one coaching. It's all waiting for you to take a look. Simply head to www.joyfulcourage.com slash yes. That's joyfulcourage.com slash Y-E-S to find more support for your conscious parenting journey. Any comments or feedback about this show or any others can be sent to Casey at joyfulcourage.com. I personally read and respond to all the emails that come my way. Reach out, take a breath, drop into your body, find the balcony seat and trust that everyone is going to be okay. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.